Hello and welcome. You're listening to the You Do Woo podcast, and I'm your host, Allison Cullen. I'm a mom with a background in business and counseling, but I've always been tapped into the more woo-woo side of everyday life. I'm here to take you on an exploration of your spirituality, give you helpful life hacks, help you on this evolution through motherhood, and give you a weekly dose of useful woo. If you need your cup filled, your mind expanded, and you want to increase your manifestation abilities at the same time, you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the You Do Woo podcast. This is Allison, and I have my dear friend Alexandra Wyman on. Welcome, Alexandra. This is your second time on the podcast. It is. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. I'm really excited to be here. Welcome back. I knew that you would be coming back at some point, but I didn't know what we would be talking about or when it would be. And I feel like this is very divinely timed. Uh, If you guys want to, at some point after listening to this episode, if you want to listen to the first episode, I think it dropped in January 2022. If you want to go check out Alexandra's first guest appearance on the You Do Woo podcast, but I know a lot has been going on in your world the past nine months. Goodness. Um, what's been going on? What's, what's been happening for you in your life? Yeah. Well, when we first talked about doing this second episode for a second, I was like, I think it was January of 2021. And then I went, no, no, 2022, which was so weird. Cause I feel like the last nine months has been so explosive in my growth and I'm just such a different person than I even was (laughs) back at that time. So Yes. So I'll, I'll just say my story has a sensitivity alert. I like to let people know that. So I always encourage self-care if anything I say, you know, affects you or impacts you. So I initially was on your podcast, Allison, um, after my husband died by suicide and I had a huge healing journey that came with that. Mm -hmm. And it just seems that every day is still a little bit more growth and healing. And sometimes I look back and I'm like, I feel like I've had a lifetime in two years. Mm -hmm. It's been about two years since he passed. And I realized, especially in the last nine months or so, that a big block to my healing process of losing him had to do with a lot of the experiences I had as a child Mm -hmm. and being able to work through some of the limiting beliefs I had about myself. I took on a lot of responsibility over his passing. I took on a lot of responsibility for the reactions to his passing. And I internalized all of it. And I thought, I can't live like this. Mm -hmm. Um, I also am a single mom now. So I knew I didn't want to pass that on to my child either. And I was like, I need to do something. I always say like the generator and Aries in me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got to take stuff on and get through it. Um, And then along the way, I also realized that you don't stop mourning. You don't stop grieving. It just shifts and morphs into a different look each day and each month and each year, but you just still kind of get handed this, this grieving process. So it's been amazing, the personal growth and getting to a point of now finding my purpose now, which has changed since he died is being able to try and help people walk through the elements of their own lives that might keep them stuck in a certain way, if you will. Got it. Just (laughs) FYI. Okay. When I think that our first episode came out in January, 2022, we actually recorded it 
in October of 2021. We did. I was right. at that point really good about like <laughs> batching podcast recording. Now I do it like week to week a little bit. We'll get back to batching, but it's fine. And so I had batched like a ton in October and we decided that that, that timing like end of January would be best for for putting this out. So I think you probably had a good amount of growth, even October to January. It's been like a year, you know? Yeah. Well now, Uh yeah. Now making it in perspective of a year, even just the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think so often I still, my memory is still highly impacted. So sometimes I'm like, what was I even doing then? Or I still felt like I was in a fog or in a cloud. The clarity now, even though I still struggle day to day, sometimes with my memory, but my overall clarity has been huge. And a big part of that was recognizing so often for me in my childhood, my purpose was tied into what I was doing. How well was I doing at school? How well did I do in a job? That's where my perfectionism came out. How well did I do? And throughout this process, I figured out, no, my purpose is just to be me, like who I was intended to be, who I was created to be. And the what and what we do just kind of comes naturally when you figure that out. It's not easy to necessarily figure that out because we do get so many messages and what I call projections from other people about how you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. And so being able to see how I've evolved even in this past year, still being caught up in that people pleaser and still being caught up in in making sure everyone else is okay. And then just being really grounded in no, I'm I'm who I'm meant to be and and that and it it just kind of has naturally come about through the healing process. Yeah. And we won't talk too much about human design in this episode because we have other fun things to talk about, but (laughs) um, human design wise, like also being a generator, it's hard because so much of the generator energy can be tied to like career and work and purpose and things like that. And we also have to remember that our inherent worth is just in being a human being that we're not human doings. I had the same thing. I think it's just conditioning period, like growing up where it was like, okay, as long as I get all A's, then I'm good. As long as I get perfect attendance, then I'm good. As long as I get first chair and band, then I'm good, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when, when you got a B or got, the flu and couldn't go to school or got second chair, it was like, oh my God, I'm a failure. I mean, that's how I felt growing up. And no one, the weird thing is, is that my parents didn't even make me feel like that. It was just like this whole system. Do you know what I mean? Oh, a hundred percent. There's a few different things I have come to, to learn, including that idea of getting the A's or get, you know, getting those achievements, whatever they are. So the first thing I'll say is I had to really reframe how I look at life Mm -hmm. because I started finding, and I felt this way for a long time, but I just didn't know how to articulate it. So the way I articulate it now is we're born and we got kind of handed this, this gift, this box, this gift box of, of life with a little bow on it. And inside it says, if you want a successful life, this is what it looks like. And it makes it look really linear. You get A's, you get first chair, you are a good student, you go to college. The way I say, I think it's a little different, it's tweaked a little differently for every person. But in my life, it was you go to college, you find a mate, you 
get married, you buy your house, you get a good job, you stay in that job for 30, 40, 50 years, you have kids, 2.5 kids, right? You know, it can't be even. And it's supposed to be a boy and a girl, right? Like, <laughs> and then you have your dog and you maybe take some trips and then you watch your kids grow and then, you know, you retire, blah, blah, blah. And it makes it look very linear. And then when you're not reaching those milestones, if you will, then we internalize that something's wrong with us. Mm -hmm. Not something's wrong with this list we were given or this box you were given. Something's wrong with us. And life, I just don't think works that way. It it makes sense because we're all looking for predictability because predictability kind of equals safety mm -hmm. and security. And so the way I look at life is, is more like an ocean. You know, it's unpredictable. Sometimes you're going to be in a reef that's really beautiful and calm. And then other times you're going to be in the middle of a squall going, I don't even understand what's just happened. Mm -hmm. And what I'm working on personally is that that predictability piece is us. Like mm -hmm. I'm predictable because I trust myself that I can handle any situation that the ocean brings me. And that creates the safety and security piece. The other thing I think that happens, and more recently, I've kind of gotten a little bit more into reading about attachment theory, which I know there's always buzzwords about some sort of yeah. parenting or idea. But this really resonated with me because I've said for a while, you know, we have these needs and, and according to attachment theory, they call it the four S's of safety, security, being seen and feeling soothed. And when you're not getting those in a consistent, healthy manner, what I have come to find or I posit, I guess, or hypothesize is that when we're not being fed and those on a regular, consistent, healthy basis internally or intrinsically, we look outward to try and fill that. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not feeling seen that I'm good just the way I am and I'm not feeling seen that way, then I'm going to say, OK, I'm going to be the best soccer. I'm going to score the most goals in my soccer game. Because then I'm going to be seen. And it's all, like there's nothing bad or wrong about any of us. We all do it. We all have it. It's just that it manifests externally and we kind of carry that stuff into adulthood so that when life hands us something that we weren't expecting or the checklist didn't go the way we thought, we're disappointed or we must be the failure or we must be broken or something must have, we must have done something or not been enough yeah. or whatever it is, which I'm finding through my own healing process isn't the case. I resonate with that so much. One big thing for me with that was, well, growing up in the South and the Bible belt and whatever, and everybody gets married right after you, you like get engaged your senior year of college, and then you get married the next year at some point, you know, and that did not happen for me. It happened way later for me. <laughs> and it was like, that was like a goal, like getting married was a goal. And it's like, oh my God, how? <laughs> My daughter, Caroline, is like obsessed with princesses and things like that. Thankfully, her favorite movie is Frozen, which she's obsessed with Elsa and Elsa doesn't even have a partner. So I, I sort of love that, that there's not this like, okay, a man's coming to save you. And it's like, get it, the wedding is happily ever after. But that was, I don't know, if you go back and watch any of the Disney movies, you'll see like Little Mermaid is like that. And Cinderella is like that. And Snow White is like that. And like all of them are like that fine, whatever. I still love that whole idea, but I'm like, whoa, I need to be really careful with what I'm putting into her brain and conditioning her, like, you know, movies you watch condition you or whatever at an early age. Cause I never, I mean, if she ends up wanting to get married, then that's great. And I hope that she does it out of love and not like, you know what I mean? Like for always mm -hmm. every relationship that I had, it was like, okay, I want to get married. 
And my husband, now husband, like felt that from me right when we met. It was like, does she like me for me or does she just want to get married? You know, that was like such an issue for so long, but that was like a huge thing. And I'm sure a lot of other women can, can resonate with that. And then just the whole idea of around a job going out of college, I chose, well, I chose my degree in finance because real estate finance was like the thing that made you the most money at that point. And I was like, I don't, care or know anything about any of this, but I'm doing it because of the paycheck at the end of it. I didn't end up going into real estate finance, but, you know, working in accounting, it was like the thing that matters is like what you make per year, what you make per month or whatever. And even being an entrepreneur, it's like I've had to, to really money motivates me. Like I have the money gate and the human design chart, but I have to remember, like for so long, I my goal was like $10,000 a month, $10,000 a month. There were times that I was getting so close to that and not being appreciative of it because it was still four figures instead of five figures. And it's like, we put all these stupid ideas in our brains and then we feel like we've failed when it doesn't happen by this time or it doesn't hit this exact amount or whatever. And... I don't know. Like, I think I've said this before and maybe to you like one-on-one, but I even like really try when I talk to Caroline about work to be like, Cam one time was like, I got to go to work. Cause I got to go, I got to make money for us. And I was like, no, you're not saying that to her. Like, and he doesn't always love like every job that he does. So that's a whole other thing, but I do. And I'm like, I go to work cause it's fun. And so now when I pick Caroline up, she's like, mommy, did you have fun at work today? And I'm like, yes, I did. But I just really don't want to like condition her to think that she has to just go to work to make money, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because one of the coaching Heather from, from to be magnetic, when I did her coaching, coaching session with her and she, I mean, this was right. Sometimes it takes the right person to stay at the right time for you to get it. But she was like, failure is just a bridge to another opportunity. And I was like, oh, and that that really struck me. So I try and, and keep that in mind because I'm very much of the fear of failure, fear of success, had to work through both of those. And then I think also with things like that money piece or even anytime we're setting a goal, the way I've started to try and unravel it for myself is the enjoyment of the goal versus the need for the necessity of it. And that's that like, if I hit this five figures, then fill in the blank of what it means. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't hit it, then somehow it's like black and white. Well, I didn't hit it. Therefore, it means the opposite of what I was going for. Does that make sense? I don't even know if I'm articulating that well. Totally. You know, we end up getting caught in that because, again, it's I found in from your coaching and from all the awesome, amazing things that you do of like when you can let go of your attachment to the outcome related to whatever it is you're doing, it'll flow so much easier to you. But letting go of that outcome, letting go of that control means really having to feel more stable and secure internally and intrinsically that no matter what, I'm going to be okay. Because especially after Sean died, I had nightmares and panic attacks over I'm going to end up destitute. I'm going to have my kid taken away from me. I'm going to be homeless. I'm never going to be able to do this. And everyone was like, what are you talking about? Like you have a master's degree. You can get a job in occupational therapy anywhere. Like 
what where is this coming from? And it's completely irrational in a sense, but also just a huge eye-opener for me of that I needed to really start looking at what was the root of that fear. And it was that I wasn't trusting myself, that I could take care of things or be resourceful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, with that, losing your partner is a whole sense of security being taken away in, in one way. And even though logically, you know, you'll be okay, your body didn't know that, you know? Not at all. And also, I finally had hit, I was a little later, I was in my 30s when we met. But that little gift box I got as a kid, I finally was like, okay, found the guy, got married, got the house, got the kid. Awesome. We're trying for a second kid. And then it was just rug pulled out from underneath. And there was a lot of time where I was going, wait a second, who did I piss off (laughs) or screw over in my twenties that this is what happened to me. And it, and it, that wasn't the case at all. It was just, I was too focused on life being linear and it just isn't. Yeah, totally. So I remember I had a conversation with you maybe in like April of this year, April of 2022, and you were already starting to create the course that is out now that you're in the second iteration of now, which is named forward to joy, which we're going to link in the show notes for anybody that wants to check it out. But I remember originally you were talking about the stages of grief and also all of the different modalities that you had learned of in the past like year or so and applying it to the different areas around grief and loss. And then recently, as we've been working together and you've had, you've created the course, you have morphed it into something like even bigger, which is so cool. Cause originally I was like, okay, cool. I have so many people that I can talk to about this course that have, you know, gone through extreme loss of family members or friends or whatever. And have something, you know, resource. I always like to resource people. So I'm like, I have a resource for them now. But um, in talking to you over the past few weeks, it's like a bigger thing than that, which I love. And I'm going to go over a few things. And then I want you to sort of just tell us all about forward to joy. But um, it's more so like for anyone who, well, what I say is like, we can have grief or loss of anything, whether it's a human being in our life or some other living being that we love or a loss of identity. Like I had this when becoming a mom, it was like losing that free part of myself. That's never going to be free again. Grieving what you thought life was going to look like at 39 years old or 40 years old or whatever that looks like. Grieving the loss of a job or anything, like just anything that's like an expectation of how we thought something was going to be. And it's not that way. So it doesn't have to be so extreme as the loss of a human being. Explain all of that to us. Like, where did you get, obviously we know where you got the idea for the course, but like in putting it together that way and making it even more expansive so that literally anybody could take this course and benefit from it. How has that looked over the past few months as you've been creating it? Yeah, it's kind of morphed naturally. I've gotten so many pings along the way. And then I used to be someone who could only read one book at a time. And then for some reason, I think during the pandemic, I was home so much and that I would just have four or five books going. And every day I'd be like, which one do I want to read? 
And I have just been a sponge for so many different books and personal growth. And one of the things, one of the first things I started to come around to is especially out of the the loss of Sean. And again, you are 100% right. Loss doesn't have to just be so huge. We have like, if you move, if you change jobs, like you said, your identity changes, anything. And I found that we were narrowing so much holistic wellness was kind of narrowed down. So it'd be nutritional and physical is, is holistic wellness or mental and emotional. But I feel like we were missing that big cellular piece. And so I look at six areas for wellness, and that would be emotional, mental, nutritional, physical, spiritual, and cellular. And when all they're all integrated and when they're integrated in a healthy way, then that's how I look at thriving and flourishing. And then at the same time, I also found we all have events that happen to us that negatively impact us. And I say it has less to do with what the event is and more what happens to us as children and how we internalize that experience. And so in creating this initially, you're right. I was like, oh, this is going to be for people who really lost someone. And how can I apply these different areas of wellness? And then within, honestly, like the last couple months, it just kind of started snowballing. And I was like, oh, wait a second. We get these messages. We internalize them. And I think I would think everybody, I don't know. I'm someone where there are so many times in my life where I'd be like, I'm over here at point A. I can see point B. I know where I want to get to. I know I can get there and I just don't know how. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what's blocking me. I don't know what's in the way. And then through this healing process, I started looking at what's I'm in my way. (laughs) Like these loops and messages and negative ideas that I've had from these events that have impacted me they're looping subconsciously, unconsciously. I always get confused between those two. Uh, I'll admit that. I could probably look up the definition, but subconscious I think is like deep, deep down and things that happened because of like a lot of times we are aware of subconscious, but they're deep, deep down Mm -hmm. things. And then unconscious is like when you're asleep or not living or not breathing or whatever. Okay. Makes sense. So I guess subconsciously, because we have certain messages that are going to be rolling in the background all the time. And that's just how, and our brain does that to protect us. I think you've talked about that. You know, our, our brain's goal is to, to protect us. And that's where fear and ego comes in. And our body at a cellular level holds on to these experiences and the emotions that we have. What I'm finding and and believing in truly now is that once we can figure out where these messages come from, what events they're tied to from our childhood, there are some messages we might say, yeah, I'm still aligned with that. There might be some messages that we're like, no, no, that doesn't align anymore. And we get them in all different areas. So for this particular course, everyone gets to walk through each area of wellness. So nutritional and physical, emotional, mental and spiritual to say, one, how do how do you perceive yourself now and what contributed to that and what do you still hold on to that maybe doesn't serve you mm-hmm. to get back to that purpose of just being you versus what other people may want you to be or how, how they want you to be or what they want you to do? Probably every part of it, you address that. But I love the idea of doing everything at a cellular level because I truly think that that's when things actually change. You know what I mean? I don't remember the science behind 
this, but in human design, they talk about deconditioning takes a whole seven years or whatever. And then I don't know how long, I mean, I think every organ is a little bit different, but do you know how many years it takes for an organ to like regenerate itself? Cause like all the cells regenerate. I don't know if it's seven years or less or whatever. I know like somebody who's a smoker for like 30 years can stop smoking and their lungs will regenerate themselves within a certain been be totally healthy within a certain amount of years. And so like healing on a cellular level, I think so many people think that it's not possible, but it really, really is. You just have to have the tools and the intention with which to go and do that, you know? If somebody's checking out the course, give us an idea of uh, like one of your favorite modules and what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So one of them that first comes up for me is around like the physical wellness. And I don't look at it just as just body image because we all have, I mean, it could be if we're looking at genetic disease, if you're looking at autoimmune disease, uh, people who are in chronic pain. So you have this element that you're dealing with. And then you also have the idea of body image and how we view ourselves and perceive ourselves. And so the first step with that is to really get an idea of, you know, do you have any goals? Does a person have any goals around their physical wellness? Is it, I want to be a certain weight. I want to look a certain way. I'm for me personally, I, I dealt with, um, an infection in my gut that was considered to be autoimmune, though they could never tell me exactly what was going on. And they basically tried to sentence me to, you're never going to get rid of this. <laughs> you're never going to be able to enjoy food. You're, you know, all these nevers. And when you get, when you get that kind of information, we immediately internalize, like at least I did, I immediately internalized it, or I've known people who've dealt with chronic pain and it's like, whoa, we take on so much of other people around that. So for that particular, it's really getting an idea of how do you view yourself physically in relation to everything. And then look at a little bit, you know, go a little bit deeper and say, what would be your goals and what might be some barriers around those goals? Is it, if only I were skinny enough, then blah, blah, blah. If I felt healthy enough, blah, blah, blah. If I didn't have to deal with um, bottles and bottles of medication. And we tend to do that. So we we start to limit ourselves because of that external environmental, you know, changes we have to make in order for, to be healthy. Um, I do let people know, at least for the physical side of things, that there is research showing the connection between some of that cellular and emotional pain that we hold on to and how it can manifest in the body. I will have stuff manifest if I, I think I've said this before to you, but if I'm in a situation and I don't feel heard, I'll get a sore throat the next day. And it takes a few days for it to kind of dissipate. And I have to figure out, okay, if that person's not going to hear me, like what are other ways that I can resolve this? And my sore throat goes away. So being able to look at that and then also, you know, the body images, especially for women, it comes up and how can we dismantle that. And so then once we can figure out what those barriers are, the next prompt is to look at, okay, what, how did the women you were around your caregivers, your primary caregivers, your 
I call them stakeholders, your coaches, your teachers. If you went to a church, um, how did these people all view body image? What messages did you get? Even though I cover this more nutritional, but was there, you know, the yo-yo dieting Were people working out? What was the intent behind working out? Was it to fit into a certain size of clothes or was it for actual, you know, feeling healthy and stress management? For females, I like to ask also like the men, how did the males view women as well <laughs> and view body image and what kind of pressures were there? And then what I do ask is for people to reflect on, is there something potentially as you're going through that process that comes up? Is there an emotion? Is there a feeling or a memory that comes up around that? That And for me, one of the big ones, and and I'm kind of open about this, is I'm the youngest in my family. I have two siblings and I was not, my sister was stick thin. She was a gymnast and I was not. And so I was often called thick boned. Mm -hmm. I was compared to my brother. I already knew by six, I didn't fit the norm. Mm -hmm. And so then looking back at what does our kid self need to hear or feel in order to kind of resolve that and to create a sense of it's an opportunity to release the shame and guilt that we all carry around whatever it is. If it's shame and guilt over that our parents weren't there, if it's the shame and guilt because we didn't fit into this ideal, then to be able to kind of release that and hopefully that starts the healing process at that cellular level. So what I am obsessed with about this course is that a lot of times you'll get teaching from or coaching from or take courses from people that are like, I don't know. You're like, oh my God, you've made a million dollars and show me how to make a million dollars. And they, it seems like everything in life is just freaking perfect and blah, 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 blah. What I love about you creating this course is that just two years ago, you literally went through hell on earth. And not that you don't still have really hard times, you know, but that was so, such a short time ago. And you're taking everything that you have utilized as far as tools and resources and modalities over the last two years, and you're putting it all in one place for people. And you are like such a very accessible and relatable. And I think one of the huge, huge keys to manifesting the life that is like the most amazing life that we want is having role models or expanders that aren't like 25 steps ahead of us, but like five steps ahead of us. It's fine to have those big expanders like Oprah or Glennon Doyle or whoever, you know? And I think it's really important, and this is how I sort of saw myself as a coach, as like somebody who is just a few steps ahead of you and has all of the tools and isn't a guru, or your savior or anything like that, but they're a toolbox holder that'll walk along beside you and give you the tools you need as you need them. Not just be like, here's the whole toolbox, have fun when you're like, I don't freaking know what a screwdriver is, you know? And I think that you're the perfect person and this is the perfect time. I know you've already created the course and, and walked through it with the first group, but the perfect time for introducing it to the public. I think a lot of people have gone through all types of loss in the past two years, two and a half years. And we're all a little bit in like this, okay, things quote unquote seem back to normal, but a lot of things are still going on that are 
scary and, you know, we're apparently in a recession, like all these things. And our bodies are still a little bit in a state of trauma, whether it's big or little T trauma. And our nervous systems aren't quite okay. And I think you've done a freaking beautiful job of gathering all the tools together for any human being to be able to regulate their nervous system, unblock areas that need unblocking to get them to the next level or get them to a stable place or get them to a sense of feeling secure or grateful, all of those things. And I know that, we have we even said the name of the course yet? I think you said at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> but, it's called the Forward yeah. to Joy Masterclass. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't wait for it to be open to the world. What does everybody need to know about? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you. That is ridiculously kind of you to say. And I couldn't get here without other people guiding me. And you are one of those people guiding me along the way. And this is something I've had to work through. There are so many people who are out there claiming that they are the gurus or the ultimate people. And I had to stop for a second and really kind of walk myself through that. And I was like, no, everyone has a coach. Everyone has a mentor, someone they can look up to. And I have multiples. And so thank you. I'm, I'm really excited. And hopefully, yeah, this can be a tool. And I read a book recently called Dream Big by Bob Goff. I think it's amazing. But he talks about being a Sherpa and I was like, yes, that's that's me. I want to be a Sherpa. You decide your endpoint. You decide where you want to go. And then I just want to exactly like you said, be another tool in the toolbox and be your Sherpa and say, here are some things to get you where you want to go. So yes. So it's called the Forward to Joy Masterclass. It's through the application Teachable. And I can um, we can link all that information below how to access it. It'll be available, I think, when this episode drops is when it'll it'll be open to purchase. So yeah, so October 3rd, and it'll launch on October 10th. And anyone who signs up gets a one-on-one 30-minute session with me, kind of plan out goals, ideas, help workshop, anything that that's needed. And then I'll do some group calls as well to kind of make sure people are being able to access everything, answer any questions and be available. And the first group, like you said, we're going to continue, but the this first round has been really amazing. And it's really cool to see people get excited. <laughs> and um, that's probably one of my favorite things. And people are like, I had an aha, which I do that all the time. To all my mentors, I had an aha today. It was amazing. So it's kind of fun to see when people start put the puzzle pieces together. I love that. And I know that at some point you'll make it more of like a self-led thing and just launch it a couple of times a year in the like micro mind way of doing it. But mm-hmm. I think it's really special that you're offering that for everybody the Zoom session, just one-on-one with you, which is so valuable. And then the the group coaching sessions, I think will be really huge. I've been part of several courses that were sort of that hybrid style. And I got so much out of them just because of being able to have that one-on-one in group time. I think it's super, super valuable. And then always have access to the course too, for the, the resources. So. Yeah. And also I think so interesting because I I also feel that we all want to feel unique and we are unique. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we all have a desire for connection and a sense of belonging and being able to know that we're not alone. And when you can hear other people on their journey, it's just so beneficial. So mm-hmm. I'm just really excited. 
I can't wait. Okay, I want everybody to pause right now and go connect with you on Instagram. It's at forward to joy. That's All right. One word. I will link it in the show notes. The link to the forward to joy masterclass will also be in the show notes and any other information that you want people to have. Also, um, just keep an eye out on both my Instagram and Alexandra's Instagram, because we're going to have a few little specials for the first few people who sign up for the course. So keep an eye out for that. And you also have a podcast. Do you want to share just a little bit about your podcast too? Oh, well, sure. Yeah. So my sister and I have a podcast called The Russian Sisters. We call ourselves like the female Seinfeld for podcasting. (laughs) So we love to talk about daily life, whatever's going on. And then um, one of our taglines is really, you're not alone. So we try to make sure people No. And so we're kind of across the gamut, but the idea is, you know, there's enough seriousness out there. So we like to be kind of a way that people can check out for a little bit and, and grab some, some humor along the way. I love that. Definitely check us out at the Russian sisters. Yeah. I love it. And speaking of kiddos and conditioning, do you know, Seinfeld is one of my daughter's favorite shows. Is that really? I love Seinfeld and you're right. Like y'all's the vibe is very just like, light and fun and funny and quirky and what, you know, like random everyday stuff. But that's why I love Seinfeld so much. And sometimes we just have it on because it's silly and they like, they don't cuss on there. I mean, I think y'all cuss on your podcast sometimes. We try not to, we try not to. Yes. So yeah. And that's, that's really funny. Anyways, Um, one one of our friends came over the other day and he has like crazy Kramer hair and Caroline goes, you have crazy hair like Kramer. <laughs> They're like, your two-year-old knows Seinfeld. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. But she that's hilarious. We'll have to do like the crazy things kids say. We got a lot of those <laughs> that recently. Would be a good one. <laughs> I have many for you. I'll send them over. Anyways, go follow Alexandra on Instagram. Check out her podcast. Check out the Forward to Joy Masterclass. I know that it's gonna fill up really fast this second launch of it. And you might not be doing it again till January. So definitely take advantage. It's a great time to do that and start your healing journey and just release anything that's, that's not joy filled in your life. That's right. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so, so nice to connect and be here again. Thank you for coming on. I feel like maybe you're a once or twice a year returning guest and we'll just keep keep having you back and talking about what's new with you. Cause I think you have like a hundred courses inside of you that need to be birthed at some point. So yeah. when yeah. you first said more would come, I was like, what is she talking about? She got one and done. And nope. then like the next day I was like, oh yeah, there's more. <laughs> yeah. You have so I'm excited. Thank you so much. Yeah. Alexandra. Thank you. Thank you so very much for tuning in to another episode of you do woo. I know that you already have a very full life and that there are literally millions of podcasts that you could be listening to. So I'm super grateful to you for being a loyal listener. And I'm so grateful for you sharing your favorite episodes with friends and family members. That is how we are able to serve more people and raise the collective consciousness and really get the word out on a bunch of these fun spiritual topics that we're talking about. I would love to connect with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at you do woo, all one word. I'd love to hear how you loved today's episode and just a little bit about you. I can't wait to connect. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast. 
come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com.